like performing arts, like you can start with something really simple and make a huge impact. It's not like necessarily time in, time out, but there is that factor when it comes to something that has a technical element to it, like circus arts. So I can see how different people flock to this modality for different reasons. Mm. Could be escaping the mundane nature of their computer job. Like the idea of sitting and typing all day to going to like climbing 20 feet in the air is pretty contrast. Some people do this art form and not ever want to perform. They don't ever want to really have eyes on them. And so there's other self-fulfilling reasons of just being like, hey, I'm getting stronger. I'm giving myself something to help my body and my mind flow into, basically find a flow state. This is a podcast for you. This is a podcast for me. This is a podcast for the world we want to see. This is an ode to the commons from which we have fallen. This is a prayer for our return, for the return of a smile, for the return for a while, to the village, to the passion, to the expression, to the journey, to the spirit. My name is Aliko. I'm an event producer, designer, photographer, coach, serial entrepreneur, community curator, and anti-capitalist somatic historian. In this podcast, we explore the many threads of what holds us all in the fabric of life, spirit, business, liberation, music, culture, nature, and more. We the people join you the people for the people podcast. Hey y'all, I hope you're having a good day and it's with great, great pleasure that I introduce the one and only Jody Poth. Jody, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. I'm pretty sure it's Poth. I'm like 100% sure, but there's like a 6% chance that it's Poth. But Jody is a born and raised Washington resident and local performance artist. With a background in dance, experimental theater, and flow-based movement arts, Jody is a prominent circus artist, aerial performer, and event producer based in Seattle, Washington. Notably, Jody has performed with Cirque du Soleil at Sea in 2020, Newcomer Festival in Germany, and Tutsi Q Vals and Italy's Got Talent as an aerialist. In her formative years, Jody founded dance at age 13 and has always been drawn to theater and performance art. In 2013, Jody helped bring her love for performance art into local production group Zeptospace, a community-oriented group focusing on space creation for eclectic expression. In 2023, Jody became a co-producer of Space Oddity, which also focuses on event production and naturally caters to highlighting performing artists in a way that bolsters community and supports diverse artists. Today, Jody can be found performing around the city with local productions such as the Pink Door Restaurant, Acrobatic Conundrum, Bellingham Circus Guild, and local festivals. I know Jody through Zeptospace. I've known Jody and seen Jody perform many, many, many times over the last five or six or seven years. And um, she's really just such a renowned human being in our community. And it's such a pleasure to sit down with her in this episode and talk about real shit, like the real 
mess of being in art and real mess of being in life and the beauty and the grief and how to move through that with movement and with art and how to be well in the world and use performance and art to support our lives. And it's such an honor to have you here, Jody. Hi, love. Hi. You look like you're somewhere nice. You look like desert vibes. Oh, that's so <laughs> sweet. I'm in my room. This is. Oh, really? <laughs> that's yeah, so great. Chilling. How are you doing today? Today is pretty good. I had three events this week, so I've been doing the hustle. Yeah. But it's been pretty fluid and fun, and I always love October, especially the type of events I work in October. So it's just a little bit more of my emo self coming through <laughs> with the spooky gigs. I'm happy. Can't complain. Cool. That's a good place to start. Different parts of yourself coming out in performance and getting to express, yeah, express all sides of what it is to be a human being and dance and performance and what's that like for you and yeah i guess i i'll start with yeah i want i want to invite you to just share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do in the world and like how you've actually gotten here yeah okay yeah. for sure so as a child i was really shy like really shy i didn't have that permission to step out into the world and be vulnerable I also had three brothers, which was anyone that has like siblings of the opposite sex. It just feels like, especially really rambunctious boys, like it was a little bit overwhelming, but I always had a really good connection to my mom and my mom was an artist. And I think that she like subconsciously nurtured me by showing me her art and just like bringing me into that environment. And she was always like, affirming of if I wanted to do something crafty and weird, she would help me do it and help me execute it. And so she was my biggest influence growing up. And then I tried to do sports, of course, because that's what my brothers were doing. And my dad was teaching baseball with my brothers and stuff. And I was just not good at sports, really. I wasn't competitive. I wasn't really all that athletic. And at some point in my life, I saw like some musical theaters and some plays and I was like, this is way more appealing to me. And so I started taking like voice lessons and dance lessons and acting lessons. And because I was really shy, like the acting and the singing, just like using my voice was really difficult for me. But when I started doing dance, it was a way for me to step into this world of being seen in this world of vulnerability that felt safer to me. And so that's, that was my jam. As soon as I found dancing, that's all I did from like the age of 13 until 21. So I did like ballet, modern jazz, lyrical hip hop. I wasn't very good at it when I started, but I just loved the challenge and I loved the environment. It felt like I would always stay in like the back left corner of the class where I could not really be seen, but be a part of it. And having your spot. <laughs> exactly. Like I never really wanted to be in the spotlight. Like I just wanted to be, just be there and feel like I deserved to be there. Naturally, I worked really hard at it because when I 
fall in love with something, I just, it becomes the apple of my eye and I just do it a lot. And it eventually became like a really safe space for me. Um, so then I, I danced into college and I went to my first Burning Man experience in 2009. I had just turned 21. I feel like that was really like my first rite of passage was like at 21 years old, which is funny to think about in hindsight. But yeah, I went to my first Burning Man and I saw people doing aerials there and like other circus artists like fire and just these like more extreme spectacle, just like raw um modalities of expression and when I came back I had a friend that I was dancing with at UW that also did circus arts and I was like hey I just feel like super called to this is there some classes I can take and he connected me with a UW experimental theater program that was run through this company called the Kabiri and so that was my sort of introduction to aerial arts and I was with the Kabiri for about five years. They are, they focus most of their productions on ancient mythology and just like bringing ancient stories back to life, like through physical performing. And there was just like, I don't know, just like this esoteric aspect to it that was just really appealing to me as well. It wasn't just spectacle. There was a storyline underneath it and so yeah, through, with those five years, I did a whole bunch of stuff. I did some dancing and costume design, and I learned about lighting and rigging. And it was just like this whole environment that came with the experience of learning aerials. Just being up in the air was a pretty surreal experience for me because I had been on the ground dancing my whole life, but then just getting off the ground in this movement way that's different than what we're used to was super exciting to me, even though it was extremely challenging because to get off the ground, you have to use your entire body and you have to have technique and you hit, you hit a lot of walls, like just not having the appropriate amount of strength to do things. And so it's extremely humbling at the same time. So it was just like the perfect challenge for me and the perfect evolution from dance and I was able to continue to express myself in a safe way because like my experience has always been about this battle of not being seen and like a super shy child and wanting <clears throat> to be able to put myself out there a little bit more, but it, like with the lens of safety and I think also growing up, there was a factor of wanting approval from my father and he catered so much to my brothers because that's, he didn't really have a mother figure in his life. Yeah. It's, he just knew how to relate to guys super well. He had brothers, he had a really macho dad. And when he had a daughter, I think he was just, let's play sports together. Just speaking his language. And I just didn't subscribe to those things. And so I think also performing was a little bit like performing at an earlier age for me was really like, Hey, dad, look at me. Like I exist in this world too. And I want equal compassion and attention from you as my brothers. And so 
I think performing was really multifold for me. There was a lot of like just childhood stuff and then like a willingness to escape all of that too. Yeah. And just like a sense of belonging and feeling, oh, I need to do something profound to be noticed. But it's also like to do something like circus arts and it's a really robust way to feel like a whole plethora of emotions. But you have the humility of trying and failing and understanding that's a really hard modality. And then you also have compassion for yourself for no matter where you're at in your journey. If you're in level one or level two, you acknowledge that's how much work you've put into this very long unfurling process. And it's, we could talk about whether it's definitely not like a race to get anywhere, like performing arts, like you can start with something really simple and make a huge impact. It's not like necessarily time in time out, but there is that factor when it comes to something that has a technical element to it, like circus arts. So I can see how different people flock to this modality for different reasons. Mm. Could be escaping the mundane nature of their computer job. Like the idea of sitting and typing all day to going to like climbing 20 feet in the air is pretty contrast. Some people do this art form and not ever want to perform. They don't ever want to really have eyes on them. And so there's other self-fulfilling reasons of just being like, hey, I'm getting stronger. I'm giving myself something to help my body and my mind flow into, basically find a flow state. And all of that juxtaposes sort of the oppressive world that we live in. And the second you get into it, you're like, oh, this is pretty magical. And so I've been totally victim to it <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Is that enough of a backstory? Do you That's wanna... so wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so okay. much. There's so many threads that I just could follow and I'll follow a couple. Just like honoring your story and your process. And I can totally relate to not being seen by my father and like this still, like I'm still doing these big things. And my dad came to expansion this, and he has finally told me, wow, you do all this amazing stuff. And I don't do it for him anymore, but is it still there? Is it still yeah. there? So just really wanting to like honor that component and I, I totally relate to that. And this, this embodiment journey of stepping into our houses of magic. I have been giving talks on the history of capitalism in middle age Europe and it's and the severance that happened this mechanical philosophy between the mind and body and mm. with the church and the state like really taking hold of the houses of magic of people there's a quote actually from one of my talks where the heretics were this like the counterculture movement at the time they were queer they were poly they denounced social hierarchy they had safe houses all over Europe. And this quote, like returning to our houses of magic comes from a woman who is just like speaking out towards the church. She's, you will not take my house of magic from me, my ha pleasure house. And so this idea of embodiment and performance and dance being a counterculture to, to our intensely oppressive society in so many ways and finding that freedom 
through getting back into our bodies. And I see you as someone who does that pretty in the spotlight. So like, how has that journey been of like, I have not want to be like from your childhood of not wanting to be seen by now, like now you're traveling all over the world. You're Circus Soleil, like you're doing these really major performances in big spaces and you get a lot of attention. And so yeah. what's that process been like? <laughs> the, I guess too, I really enjoy when I coach people, I ask people often, who is the highest version of yourself? And like, how do they respond to adversity or what do they do for a living? And I see you as someone who's stepped into the a highest version of you. And what's that emotional process been like as well? What's that journey? Oh, oh man, it's, <laughs> it's an ongoing one. I can tell you right. that. I think it's a little bit like you get so involved in the process and then it's one of those symbolisms you look up and you're like oh there's people watching me so it it was never it was never the end goal of oh i want to have a lot of people going to my events or or watching me in a theater i just really cared about the process mm. and i think that i spent a good amount of my life like living with my soul first, like my soul purpose. Mm. Once I found something that really clicked and really felt good in my body, and it also put my mind at ease, it puts this, the whole rambling into more of a quiet place. Because for me, movement became like a form of meditation at some point. That doesn't mean that my self doubts and my hypercriticism went away. It would may have been pushed aside for a little bit at different moments, but it that's like what a practice is. Mm -hmm. It's constantly exercising this mind versus body connection and living in flow and living with purpose. I think after my five years of with that, with the Kabiri, I had learned a lot about interpersonal connections, about communication, just about commitment and responsibility and like showing up for things. And there was a lot of shadow aspect to that journey as well, because I had to deal with a lot of characters that were not so savory and wanted things from me that they shouldn't have been expecting and saying things that were really demeaning and not encouraging. And so it wasn't just like, me stepping into a job or a career or an art form. It was just me becoming a really profound human being at the same time. Mm. And having to just navigate so many things. And there were some things that happened that were basically a catalyst for me working harder and going deeper into the art form. There was some language around, you'll never get anywhere doing... There, there was some pretty narcissistic language at some point. And I just wanted to prove them wrong. It was just, yes, I have this house of integrity and I deserve to have a place of safety and a place where I can express myself and a place where I can share my experience with other people, whether it be in a theatrical sense or in a shared experience sense, like with other performers. Because I found really quickly that I love co-creating with people. And it wasn't just 
a selfish journey for me or a self-oriented journey. I realized that stepping into profound experiences with other people is like my jam. I just really, you can just learn so much about someone's character and like what you have in common and just grow together and have hardships together and just create a shared experience through theater or circus arts or movement arts or even just creating productions together or events. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think just it caught up with me at some point. I was just putting a lot of effort in. And then before I knew it, I was getting some pretty awesome opportunities. And Cirque du Soleil was one of them. I guess for those that don't know it, I got a contract in 2020. And it was the year of the pandemic. So... I had been working for 10, 12 years, like pretty consistently. And I finally got a contract with Cirque du Soleil at Sea. And we were on a cruise ship in Dubai. And then two weeks into our contract, uh, COVID broke out. (laughs) Everyone on the boat, all, all of the guests were asked to leave. And they left the ship. But there were still like 600 employees that were stuck on this boat for weeks and or months so we yeah we just like again another shared experience i was with my aerial partner julia and with our whole cast what represented like 16 different countries or something like that so there was a bunch of different nationalities of people and it was the first time in my life where as a westerner like an american i was like one of five five Americans. There were like a ton of Filipinos and just Indonesian folks. And they were all amazing. And it just felt really good to be a minority for once. Just like, I've been in America my whole life. And I haven't, I yeah, guess I've traveled, but I haven't been in that deep of a scenario where it just felt so foreign to me in certain ways. Like I was in Dubai, I was in the Middle East, I was like a white American girl. And like the cast that I was with was so amazing and just so high spirited and or just taking it really well. And so that made it easier for me. But yeah, I was stuck on the boat from like the beginning of March to the middle of April. So it was like about six weeks. And it was a pretty tumultuous experience because not only had I like hit my stride and hit the apex of what people perceive as like the end goal of Ariel's, like a really awesome contract with an awesome company, but it was just like a house of cards, right? It was, everything just crumbled before my eyes. And not only was I having to deal with the loss of identity and like loss of success. But I also got sick with COVID when I was on the boat and I already had some health stuff happening throughout my life. A lot of like gut issues and issues like that. So I have had health issues pretty much since, since I was on the boat, which has been extra challenging for me to navigate like my relationship with aerials and being a physical performer because Once your health starts to go, like doing this super involved, like physically expressive form 
it becomes extra challenging. And there's a lot of things I'm up against now. There's a little bit of like sunk cost fallacy of just being like, I've put 10 years, 10,000 hours plus into this art form. Is it actually sustainable for me anymore, given where I'm at on my health journey? Um, so yeah, there, we can speak about a whole bunch of things like how I've adapted since and my evolution perspective on art now and expectations, of course, but it's been a journey in one, in the sense that it's like more than I would have ever expected. Like you step into that first class and you're like, cool, I like this thing. And then it just has changed my life in, in so many different ways. And I have absolutely zero regrets because when I look back on my life, like some of it's been the most challenging and hardest thing I've ever experienced. Like just doing this for not only income, but just like spending a lot of energetic time and investment in it as well. But I look back on some of the most profound memories that I have, and they've all been based on my commitment to this art form and to this sovereignty of physical performing and Wow. Wow. <laughs> Life be like that, though. <laughs> Anything in the universe is just yanks you around, shaping <laughs> us to be what? Who knows? I'm like, did I choose this? <laughs> did we choose? Did we choose this? One small thing to reflect on. When I got back, our good mutual friend, Sergey was like, you asked for adventure. And this really just genuine, precious way. And I'm like, you know what? You're completely right. I was asking for adventure and that's exactly what I got. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> be a little bit more concise next time you're manifesting. You gotta be so clear with this video yeah. game. Like. <laughs> You really do. Mm. I sense like a little bit of that. Maybe and we can cut this out if it's not somewhere you want to go. But I, I sense like a little bit of grief with your process and all of this, this life stuff. And I'm just curious. I know you talk a little bit about Buto and you've done a little bit of Buto. And for me, I if I don't dance once a week, if I'm not at home culture on that dance floor, once I have my spot right up in the front left, like, <laughs> even though it's a circle, it's still like, that's my like spot. A very if I'm not there once a week, I am unwell. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, like my body journey has been so wild. Like I yeah, I come from lineage of a lot of trauma, Jews and black folks. And I food was like a huge coping mechanism from in my adolescence. And I remember thinking too in my adolescence, my body doesn't ma matter. Like my mind holds all the power. Mm. I remember thinking that when I was like 12 or 13. And just in the last four or five years, like with our community, larger community, like it's been this integration back into the body in a huge way. And my body's changed so much. I remember when I was like 15 and I was at like Jew camp and there was like definitely like this embodiment hippie like counselor. And I saw her move and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to 
do that one day. And I'm doing that now. Like I'm things with my body I've, I'm doing that I never thought were possible. And it's profound and it's so liberating. And it's where I process a lot of my grief. Yeah. Um, I just did a Butoh class on Friday. It was like actually Kate Hall and I went together. It was really yeah. sweet. And uh, we went to a Butoh class and she was just explaining the history of Butoh. It's like expressing all of the unexpressible. Yeah. And specifically with like death. And and I'm curious when I hear you share these stories, like I, I feel you and mm-hmm. I see what's in you. And I'm curious, what are your ways of moving through that? Or do you use movement? Do you have your own movement practice outside of performing arts? that you're able to feel and be with your journey. And also my other question is, is there support that you need from community around your health or around your process? Yeah, all good questions. Yeah, Butoh is extremely special, extremely special to me because I feel like I found it at a pretty profound time in my life. The first two instructors that I had for Butoh were Vanessa Scanza and Alexander writing. And they were guest instructors that kind of came in to the Kabiri, the performative group that I was with early on. And one of the artistic directors, Charlie McCreary, she just, either her or her partner, John, had visualized Buto in the sen- in within the bigger picture of this production that we were doing. And it really was like the perfect art form because they were dressed as vultures and they were like, showing other artists like how this vulture was going to come into the scene and like basically devour the body. It was just this perfect, like morbid dance of death, decay, and potentially rebirth. And there's nothing that does it better than Buto. It's just this very symbiotic expression that is body based that touches so significantly on just the inner workings of nature. And the way I see it is like, there's more technical art forms out there, ballet being one of them, where to look and feel pristine in what you're doing, it takes a significant amount of technique. But for Buto, it is very accessible because it is you don't have to have a particular body. Like you could even be disabled and step into this art form. And I'm like, how inclusive is this? It is just permission to tap into this world that just brings you a little bit closer to like oneness and belonging and like the sense of nature and Yes, there are topics that are like taboo and obscure. The whole death and decay is a big topic within Buto, but those are also part of life. It's like, to me, there's nothing taboo in the world. It's taboo within certain cultures, but there is nothing taboo in the world because these are all just like a part of how we exist. And the more familiar we can be with this, the better off we are as humans and the less fear we have living life with more like abandonment and just like 
seeing the full picture and eventually finding serenity by letting go and feeling like we're on this journey and we're going to make the most of it. And life is going to take us where it takes us. And of course I have grief from working so hard and getting to a point of, of stardom, so to speak. And that grief never really goes away. It's to me, grief, it, it just, it has a high point and you find coping mechanisms of being able to work with it. And funnily enough, I've been able to like, like movement and nature and community have all been like healing aspects for me on being able to continue. But there, there is like doubt in my mind that I didn't have before of like the sustainability of putting all this energy and effort into this art form. Because before I knew it, I had invested 10,000 hours into this art form when I could have been using that energy to create a business or something more sustainable. And never once did I think or doubt myself of why I was doing it. I just did it. And so there is some complicated dialogue going through my head these days on, do I keep doing this? Do I keep doing it at the level I have been doing it? Do I need to reframe it? Do I need to introduce different modalities to hit a different branch in my journey and kind of drift into a world that's like a different evolution of where I've come from? Because the one thing I don't want to do is get stuck in thinking about the past, like how things were going for me right before the pandemic, because it's just, it's just not helpful for our evolution. And I have not honestly done much buto since the pandemic. <laughs> I will say that, but it, I, what I can speak to <clears throat> is that it's a pretty profound art form for anyone to introduce at any point in their life to help cope with existence. Basically, I really see it as a form of meditation, a form of processing. And there are just so many layers to it that are just so beautiful. Like Joan Lagi, I think is one of my favorite performers ever. And she's a Bruto performer. And I just remember watching her perform once several years ago where she's just on the ground tangled in string and making these really soft yet grotesque expressions and there's maybe a little bit of forethought and practice and like technique that's happening but you can very much tell that whatever she is processing is coming from within it's it's not like a technique that was bestowed upon her you have to do this in this way it is her imagining or her subconscious like coming to life and tapping into things that are almost extraterrestrial to us most days just when we're living our daily lives she's just finding this oneness with her environment and whatever catalyst is helping her buto expression and i at the end of the day she's able to relate to people watching her on this really profound level. I don't really know what I'm seeing. I don't know what's what impetus is happening to her, but I get it. 
on this deep proverbial level. I get that there is something being processed and it's really beautiful to witness. Yeah. The honest truth is I am, I've succumbed to society in the sense that most of my engagements that I do these days are to try and financially stay stable. If it were up to me, I would buto every morning and go on walks and make food for myself and just go sauna and just do self-care 24-7. But like I said, I had three gigs this week. And so I am basically always like prepping for the next thing. And it's good work. I, I have a full-time job on top of all of my physical performing and, and performing income and production are you, stuff. Are you still a private investigator? Yeah. yeah. I fucking love that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I love that. That's a big full-time job. Yeah. It's something I've also been doing as long as I've been performing. I have a business degree, a marketing degree from the University of Washington. But the second I graduated, I was like the last thing I want to do is sell something to people. I do, unless I had something really authentic, which probably I didn't at the time. It was just like, I don't, I want to just not do sales. And oh. so then my parents, it's a family company. And my oh, parents okay. had offered me to help manage their office after I graduated. And I was like, cool. Like, I'll just do it for a little bit. And then 13 years later, still there. It's something I actually don't talk about too much, but my main reason for doing it is it complements my life so well. I'm able to set my own schedule and work from home. And if I didn't have that, there's absolutely no way I would be able to make time for doing aerials because it's extremely demanding. If you, you can't just like casually take three weeks off and expect everything to be good when you go back like the, the flexibility and the strength training and right you know, just like, it's like you have to yeah. keep it up yeah it's wow. hard wow, if that's, you, that's and like, on the body too for people that get injured like you are forced to take time off and it can be really good and you're supposed to take time off intermittently so it mm -hmm. becomes sustainable but if you take too much time off, sometimes coming back, I'd say the biggest factor is just this mental factor of being mm. like, oh, I wasn't where I was before. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. And because it takes so much time and effort to build skills or strength or put a routine together, like taking steps back in, in the aerial world specifically is there's like a huge mental component to it of like, it already took me so long to get here. So going backwards is... It's just, it can be really daunting, but yeah, I've had injuries that have set me back like that in the past. And they're the type of injuries that are like, oh no, will my everyday life be okay? Yeah. Because it's, we're already putting so much at risk, just like being in the air and doing things that are, that could potentially be life-threatening. And so we're used to like this heroic way of being just like it, you feel like a superhero like when you're climbing 20 feet in the air and doing something that a lot of people can't do and so when you're 
injured and you're on the ground, you're, you have, you just are really like set back in this way. That's is really difficult, but again, it can be really humbling. And then you have a whole new perspective of what it's like to have a body as you were speaking to mind first body second, when in your youth, it's, I think a lot of people don't have enough regard for their vessel and I'm not expecting everybody to go out there and do profound physical things, but it could be as simple as like meditation, like giving your, like slowing down your mind enough to give your body the limelight, give your vessel the limelight, because I think so much about our existence comes down to being in this container and just having a lot of regard for a container and I too have struggled with like body image stuff when I was younger and actually finding movement arts. I think for some people, I don't want to make a generalization, but using ballet as an example, there is an expectation to have your body a certain way. And so it can propagate negative ideas of body image. But I do believe deep down that movement arts dancing expression as a whole can be extremely healing to to that deficit if someone has had that in their life but yeah it's a journey like anything and there's definitely like some processing that would that needs to happen in an individual's journey to feel like you're stepping into a safe place yeah i there's a, this image of that's coming to me of like you when you have the time and I'm also curious how like private investigation like just like the shadow of humanity like you're in it if you're like investigating like people's shit like all the time <laughs> and how that like influences your performance or your life and there's that component but I also am seeing like this really beautiful image of you like doing a performance outside for your community make some money like we'll pay to come see you perform like like something so maybe not different but like something that just honors your this journey of yours yeah. and to work through the minutiae and the grit and the pain that like and the injury and like through movement in a way that just honors your story and then i also think about something i've been thinking about lately is somatic trust building somatic trust with the universe yes and when we're at like a crossroads or when we don't we're like stepping into the unknown or like things change or breakups like some big transition like we freak out like our bodies freak out everything freaks out and because we don't know what's going to happen next and one thing I've been doing is thinking about how things have changed in my past, how I've been at a crossroads before, how I've been through big transition in the past, how, and like thinking about the other side of that. And, oh, I was caught by something many yeah. times. I've been caught over and over again. And like, why would this be any drift different? Mm -hmm. I would this time be any different than the 25 other times I've things have changed and I've been caught. And so in that sense, like building somatic trust with the universe and 
I just want to, yeah, bring that towards you a little bit and just, uh, there's a trusting that I feel of like your process and your journey of no matter where you go or what's going to happen, like you will be caught and like deeply caught. And then also like, how do we catch ourselves in those transitions? And yeah, just seeing you having space for you outside of job or performance for money, just what does that look like? And like how I have a deep desire to witness that in your expression. Um, So that's coming forth. Um, And then also, yeah, that component on dealing with people's shadows in your job day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cool. I mean, the concept you're describing is just basic trust. Mm -hmm. I'd say this book that I read this year, it's called Facets of Unity. It's the Enneagram of Holy Ideas by Mm -hmm. A.H. Almas. Fascinating. Fascinating. If you haven't read it, I think it's a good thing to put in your lineup. He describes this concept of basic trust and Mm. it's, it's pretty intuitive of what it is. It's this kind of like softening and understanding that the universe is benign and that there is nothing out to get us. It's just this grand unfolding of shadow and light and how we choose to be a part of the whole vision is imperative. And I think just whether you have a spiritual practice or not, understanding that there is alternate ways for us to be in this world. And it doesn't have to be so psychologically driven. It is for most of us, most of the time. But somatic arts to me, are imperative to help us get out of this mind cycle of doubt, fear, egoic projections into one that's more conducive for peace. And this sense of oneness with the universe and the people around us and our community and the oneness of our mind, body, soul connection and i feel going back to buto again because it is it can be a very soft subtle art form i think it is a really good tool to help get a taste of what it's like to endure something and come out on the other side it is a way of softening your body and your expectations and your mind. And I think it's in that prime state that we're really able to endure a lot. Mm. And instead of meeting things head on and being like, why did this happen to me? Like, how could so-and-so do this to me or just the whys of the world? It's, it, it bridges the conversation into like, what now? Like, how can I reframe this? How can I use this to my advantage? Because there's also the whole concept of to make good art, we have to be like troubled or we have to like use the shadow aspect of our past or our experiences to to make something that's nice to watch. I think that also, I also want to like 
introduce like flamenco into this conversation because I've done a little bit of it as well, but there are are many modalities out there for people to tap into. It could be African dance or something. It, I just really want to motivate people to just try different things. It could be martial art as well, like Tai Chi, just really dancing with energy and flow and finding the thing that really resonates in your body. And it could be demanding or not demanding. It can meet you where you're at. It can challenge you in different levels. But to me, flamenco has always been like, it's like this lamenting about the state that we're in or the state of our existence. And it's, I'm just going to dance through this. Like me and my ex, Alex, we would always say like a buto through life because it's like something really like hard would happen or something that's just totally not planned for. And we're like, we're just going to buto through this. And it's like this softening of our body and it's like moving into this like meditative state of being like yes this has an impact on me but i'm in this prime moment of deciding how it's going to affect me and deciding like how i'm going to maneuver around it and what i'm going to carry from it as i move forward into my next series of existence and so to me like somatic arts are everything it is yeah to loop it back to your other inquiry it is night and day from my private investigative life because we do surveillance and we do look into people's lives and we're pointing out the red flags of how they're imperfect and what they're doing is wrong and it's it is i have had some serious head trips over being a kind hearted Libra that always is like looking out for people around me and wanting to put others first and really caring about what people think and how they're doing. It has felt like a career that is completely contrary to my archetype, (laughs) but there are obviously aspects to it that keep me there, like supporting my family. Like they see me as a really valuable asset and yeah, it is multifold for sure. I think that calling people out on on their fraud isn't really noble. It doesn't feel completely noble to me. And at one point I had a vision of how my relationship to that could evolve, but it feels very fictional and not real. I had this vision once that maybe I could be this conduit, like this person that actually, instead of helping this guy find evidence that his wife is cheating or whatever, like I could go in there and actually amend things somehow, just like figure out what the root cause is. And then of course there's impracticalities with all of that. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a relationship counselor. I don't have any of those book skills, but I have had this fantasy of like how I could flip the script and how I could be of service to people instead of policing and being in that state because it doesn't quite fit my archetype, like I said. But it is definitely like the shadow aspect to my performing and production lifestyle. So 
it it adds some pretty interesting contrast i will say that and to bring it like full circle it's like people are doing these backward sideways shadow things because of our oppressive culture yes and here you are like expressing these hard difficult shadow aspects whether you're dressing up in costume or you're becoming like insanely elegant there's ways of being that you're performing that are out that that are you're able to express you're almost it's i see like this yeah this con you're like this in in, in the way like you're this conduit of other people's and your job life like people's shadow aspects you can what you take that and you and maybe not actually literally but on a spiritual like more like etheric sense you're taking like people's unexpressed shadow stuff and you're able to move through it in different ways in your performance art life and I have always of loved theater and love the arts and that's a huge reason like I just love to put all of my performance arts friends and music friends like on blast at, at events and just like really uplift the arts because they're so it is humanity humanity isn't this nine to five whatever the heck we're doing that's programmed and manufactured humans sorry okay. if we're are we in farms are like are these cities <laughs> actually and the arts brings to light like our power and our multifaceted like ways of being and for me it's like this blessing of, uh, on those people that you private investigate that they're able to yeah. find like their bot their body they're able to find like some of this magic and for me i just got out of two months of insane shadow work wow. um shadows were coming out sideways that I didn't even know were there and finally have them all on a leash and and one of the ways I found all of them was through buto and movement and grief and going through a process to hold them and that now they're like they made themselves known to me and now they're not coming out sideways anymore now they're not impacting my relationships and hurting people subconsciously or unconsciously they're there and i can take responsibility and hold them and play with them in healthy containers whether it's kink or whether it's performance arts or what have you like these are aspects of humanity that like you take the time to express in your yeah like the your i see this juxtaposition of both of your worlds and it's powerful yeah. and beautiful and yeah yeah, it's true. It's so more specifically, like the type of cases that we investigate are workers' compensation fraud. <clears throat> so it's people that are injured or are faking injuries to claim disability. And like, I get it. I see the full picture. It's yes, oppressive communities or society putting people into a pinch where they're having to deal with addictions and depression and financial strain and all of these things. And it's, oh, I see an easy way out. I'm going to tap into that. And so contrary to that, I'm like, my aerial life is somehow ended up as like this huge <laughs> representation of this is the long haul. This is the long journey. But it felt it's like the right one to me. As instead of taking this loophole and faking an injury and getting 
compensation that way. It's I have sacrificed so much to this art form, but this art form has also given so much back to me. And it, it is this constantly strenuous yet nurturing relationship. It's the long haul. It is, and it's hopefully impactful on community, like to see people, like I love witnessing people like yourself, Aliko, that have just, have refinement, have just cared so much and so deeply about their craft and have clearly put a lot of time into it and have stepped into a place of vulnerability with it. And to also come full circle and be like, I want to also share this environment with my community by giving talks or classes or workshops or a place where we can witness each other and learn from each other and be influenced by each other on a very equal, neutral, like playing field. Like there, it isn't expression of grandeur. Oh, I put the work in and you didn't. It's let's see where our worlds collide and how we can like fit together like puzzle pieces. Like some of us build the container, some of us like to just shepherd what happens in the container. Some of us have just a little glimpse of matic arts or theoretical knowledge that we want to bring to the field. And it's all beautiful and it's all right. And it's all a big rainbow of expression. Yeah. I hope we get to collaborate at some point. It's been in my mind space for since the pandemic, I think a little bit before and there's ideas floating around and but I honestly am just so grateful um, for this conversation and for you and your influence on like me, even though we don't hang out or we don't like talk often, like I've, you've been there for a long time and I've seen you and like your movement has influenced me. And yeah, I just just deepest bow of gratitude and honoring your journey and all the struggle and the pain and the joy and the beauty that you are a part of on the daily. Mm. Like how profound, thank you for sharing. And also still curious if there's anything that community, like any support you might want or need from me specifically or community in general. And yeah, just, I, I want to name that I'm, want to continue to uplift you and in all the ways that might look i really honor like what you bring to the world and i'm just grateful for this time with you thank you so thank much you. i appreciate that so much yeah i'd say if i have any closing thoughts it's we didn't really talk too much about like, the production side of things but I started producing events primarily because I wanted to give performing artists more of a limelight than maybe say DJs or other people that have historically been the anchor or the center point of events in our community. And I see, I could clearly see that there was just a gap there. And I just really want performing artists to be seen in all of their glory and for if anyone's like putting on a production of some sort just take things into consideration like diversity and how much work it actually takes for performing artists to put their craft together and to really think about the actual impact because yes you could pay a dj that plays for two hours 
a lot more money than a performing artist that would only perform for a few minutes. But I guarantee that those few minutes could potentially be way more impactful than a two hour set. I know it's just like a little notion that should be clear by now, but it's just, it's top of mind for me. And our new production group, Space Oddity, is trying to really bolster that that deviation and really put performing artists of different backgrounds and different disabilities or creeds or just even the playing field a little bit and shine more light on different modalities as well. So if anyone wants to continue supporting me in a community sense, like come to Space Oddity events and anything you see me put on blast, like support and love and just do yourself a favor and step into something that feels challenging because like your own individual healing is the world's healing. Like that has been a profound quote that I heard this year from a dear friend. And sometimes your own healing can feel very selfish and self-oriented. But if you look at it through the lens of it as being the world's healing, maybe it feels a little more accessible and yeah, doing it somatically is one way. So true. I've been thinking about that right recently because with the war and the war is there, but it's right here. Yeah. The real war is not the real, it's all real war, but it starts in the heart. Like how am I at war with myself? Can I express that through dance? So I really hear that. And really, I love your events. They're always so fun. I always have a blast and yeah, I will make sure to keep coming to those. And yeah, I've, and I'll probably cut this part out, but I've been having some, this idea of doing a more performance arts based, like a grief song and performance arts based gathering yeah. uh, and really seeing how the two, all three kind of come together in a really powerful way. It's just something on my back, like stewing on the back burner stove, but been thinking about you a lot actually and getting a representative from kind of each pocket of community to just come together and just what's here we all do similar work in different ways and how can we converge to what you're just saying just like deeply uplift not just music there's okay, music is important don't get me so wrong essential, so essential. <laughs> With musicians, we're not leaving you out. Like, How do we converge with the magic that is in grief work, in the song space, and in performance arts, in somatic ritual, in buto? There's something that connects it all together. And maybe it's just the shared humanity of grief and praise that we're all like moving with. And yeah. just thank you for bringing all of that to the table today. Yeah, of course, Aliko. I, th I think you're completely on to something and I would love to be a part of it because I'm yeah. already getting ideas brewing. <laughs> yes. Okay. I've been yeah. trying to mention this to you for like at least eight months, but it just hasn't. yeah. No, it's hit. It's hit home for sure. Okay. Cool. Um, cool. Good to know. Okay. Yeah. Thank you again, Jody. Of course, Liko. Appreciate you so much. I Bye. hope you guys enjoyed that episode and that you learned something and you start bootooing through life this Saturday, November 18th. I'm going to spend a whole freaking day doing Buto with a dear friend who's also friends with Jody, Kate Hall, and we are going to be Butoing from 11 to 4 p.m. at this epic workshop because it's the Seattle Buto Festival coming up. It happens every year. You should also check out 
the Northwest Buto Festival that happens in the summertime. And there's Buto happening all the time, all in your area. Um, there's aerial classes probably happening somewhere where you are. So check it out um, and get moving, y'all. Even if it's like just a stretching on the floor, everything helps. You can follow Jodi on Instagram at Needle and Pine and see her epic, epic, epic artwork and epic performance costumes and um, just, yeah, the epic life that she lives that's riddled with so much, um, just like all of her lives. And it's such a, so great to have you here, Jodi. And I hope that I see you come back.